Welcome to Date Night with Cancer. My name is Ebony Nisbet. I am a cancer patient currently fighting to get rid of that monster inside, which by the way, I wasn't supposed to be a cancer candidate. I have no family history of cancer and I lived a healthy lifestyle. Our journey is different, but our experience will be helpful to others. This podcast is about perseverance, survival, confession, and sharing the things I've learned along the way. We are not our circumstances. We live our best life. So join me as we recreate how we see cancer and create a life on our terms. So here is my story. Let's begin. I am excited to have Melanie Green as a guest on my show. She is a writer, a mother, a wife, and a cancer survivor. Melanie went on to write in her first book called, But Seriously, Who Knew?, which talks about her journey with breast cancer. So let's have a conversation with Melanie and get the inspiration behind her book and talk about her cancer story. Without any further delay, let's introduce Melanie Green to the show. Melanie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? I am great. Yourself? Good, good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, welcome to my show. I am so honored to have you here today to discuss your journey with my listeners. So Melanie and I connected on social media a few weeks back. We connected on the same level because we both had to fight cancer. She spoke about her story and the book that she wrote explaining her journey. And I thought, why not share it with you, my listeners? So here we are with uh, Melanie sharing her book, but seriously, who knew? Well, the name is very, very interesting, very catchy name. So what made you decide to use that name? But seriously, who knew all about cancer? Not me. I Mm -hmm. knew nothing. I haven't really had any. I mean, my uncle had cancer and unfortunately died from it. Um, It was bone cancer. Um, but I wasn't involved on a day-to-day basis. You know, he was up the other end of the country and stuff. Um, and I've mm-hmm. known other people who've had cancer, but I've none of my real close family or friends um, have had cancer, and I knew nothing about it. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know there was all the different types of breast cancer for just just breast cancer, um, not to mention all the other sorts of cancer. I didn't know there was all the different chemos. You know, I thought breast cancer was breast cancer and chemo was mm-hmm. chemo. Yeah. Um, I certainly didn't know about the side effects of all these things and all the symptoms you get and all of that. I knew nothing. So it was, a, but, you know, it was that. But seriously, who knew there was all this to it, really, was where it came from. Oh, wow. I love it. Because when I was diagnosed with breast cancer back in June of this year, honestly, I knew nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I researched online and the things that I came up with and saw, I was terrified. It's interesting that my experience forced me into creating the podcast that I have today yeah. because I knew nothing. And mm-hmm. I wanted to share that with someone else who maybe knew nothing as well. Well, the thing is, as well, when you when you look online, it's all very medical, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And there are support groups, but uh, 
them all a bit depressing if I'm honest. There's no better or worse or you know they're, they're just different stories but I found them a bit heavy at that time when you don't yeah. know whether you're going to live or die. It's quite tricky isn't it you know. You, it is. But Google frightened me a little bit and I so I just started writing my experience down um, and not worrying too much about what everyone else was going through at that point because yeah. I couldn't I couldn't I didn't have enough space in my head for that really I suppose people were saying oh I didn't know that and I didn't know that either and I didn't know that so so it kind of felt like I was educating a little bit but actually most of it was sort of a cathartic thing for me more than anything else I don't want to talk about me tell tell me how you are I don't want exactly. to exactly yes oh my god that's what <laughs> I had to do with my friends I told my friends listen when you're with me please talk about yourself because yeah. I am tired of talking about me over and over again. I want to know what you're doing, what's going on in your life, because I want to distract my mind. Totally. I changed the subject very quickly. You know, I, mm -hmm. I would say how I was doing, and but gloss over everything if it was someone who wasn't really close to me. And like Lauren, my daughter, who was just here, Lauren, she didn't even ask me how I was. Very rarely. She moved out just after my diagnosis. We, mm -hmm. we decided pretty quickly we didn't want to talk about cancer all the time because it's exhausting isn't it you know it and it's and she said I could see that you were absolutely feeling like crud you were feeling dreadful you were really mm -hmm. poorly at times so I didn't need to ask you how you were and if you wanted me to know you just tell me you know so yeah and as I say when when friends or anyone asked me I changed the subject pretty quickly and went okay no no but let's talk about you now I mean it's amazing you know you experienced um breast cancer in 2018 that and is. you were able to write a book about it that's right. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know as cancer patients, you know, well, and the I'm, knowledge yeah. from someone else that's experienced it or went through it is helpful trying to figure out what's their next approach, what's their next step, how can we navigate this fear that we have now. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's not just the people who are going through it. I think it's friends and family as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole chapter in, in the book, uh, and I think a lot of people relate to it who've been through it. Um, about what not to say to people or what, you know, what to say to people mm -hmm. who are going through cancer. I had, I had many people who said the most ridiculous things to me. Um, when I was first diagnosed, I can remember going into work and a colleague said to me, Oh, oh, I can, I can empathize. My mum had breast cancer. I went, Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, thinking she was, you know, genuinely reaching out to me. She said, but she's got secondary uh, cancer now and she's got a brain tumour and so she's terminal. I mean, literally, oh, wow. I'd found out two days before that I had breast cancer. Um, so, But I'm sure it came out of nerves and knowing, not knowing what to say. But at that point, yeah. just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, um, no. So I think, it's, I think it's, hopefully, my book is not just for people going through cancer. It's hopefully for, for people who know people going through cancer as well. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, to give a bit of insight, because I knew nothing about cancer um, at all. I just knew the word. I knew that you had chemotherapy and radiotherapy and surgery sometimes, but didn't realise that there was all a, a whole host of different breast cancers, a whole host of different chemotherapies to do with those different types of breast cancer. And that's mm -hmm. just breast cancer without all the other cancers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a it was a steep learning curve, one that I wish I'd never had to learn. Um, of course, of course but, not. You know, it's, no one wants to experience you know, it's, this. Absolutely, it's the what is it? They say it's a club that you never want to join, but actually, once yeah. you're in it, yeah. you find some amazing people in it. I mean, it's a it's a weird community, but it's an amazing community um, mm -hmm. because that although is everyone's story is different, even if they're going through the same cancers, 
everyone's experience is different, but you can, you've got someone that you can relate to and you've got someone who at least has an idea of how you're feeling. I'm glad you made that point because before um, being diagnosed with breast cancer, I had a small group of friends. But after I was diagnosed, I'm telling you, I have like an extreme, extreme group of friends now that all experience mm-hmm. what I went through. And those are like mm-hmm. my, I call them my cancer brothers and sisters now. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, and they can relate to what I'm going through because they also experience that, um, that journey. Well, I, again, when you're, when you've not been through it, and maybe if you've had someone really close to you go through it, maybe it's a different thing. I hadn't. But I had friends that had gone through. I used to be a hairdresser and I had a couple of clients. Um, and although I felt awful for them, um, I didn't see them on their worst days because when it's when you're on your worst days, you don't leave the house. Mm-hmm. You don't communicate with anyone. You hide in a hole and you don't want to share to the world. So the times that you do show up, you're feeling okay that day. You've yeah. put on a bit of slap. You've put on a wig or whatever, however you choose to present yourself. Mm-hmm. Um but on the worst days, you're not, you don't show up, you hide. So yeah. I didn't know what these friends had been through. So exactly. when they finished whatever treatment they'd been through, I thought, oh, they're getting back to normal now. They're finished. They're cured. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's that whole thing of, you know, we don't know, unless you, unless you can actually been through it, you have no idea. A lot of my friends today would say to me, Hey, Ebony, I don't know. I can't, ex- I can't understand what you're really going through because whenever I do see you, you don't look like you have cancer. No. I was like, uh, no, I put on a mask on my sick days. I'm home in bed. Mm-hmm. So they never know what's my difficult days like because they never seen me that way. Exactly. Exactly. And you do put on a front because you're bored of being the cancer patient. Yeah. You, you're fed up of it. So on the days that you do feel well enough to go out, you want to go out as ebony beforehand, as male beforehand. Yeah. Though you'll never unfortunately be the ebony beforehand you can you can feel better than you do on the days when you don't want to leave the house mm-hmm. we continue yeah. living and put it yeah. behind us and say you know what cancer is not gonna you know define who i am i am going to push forward Absolutely. and that has to be your thought process every single day until that light that you see at the end of the tunnel where you're like oh my god this is done i am done with cancer mm-hmm. treatment i'm done with the fight now let's get my life back yeah, it's uh, and and unfortunately, as you're still heavily going through it, not quite as easy, not quite as easy <laughs> as that. But you know, you, every day you you have a different uh, experience, different fight, yeah. different mindset that you need to get through. And the further away from the treatment you get, the easier on most days it gets. So I wanted to know, like, what made you decide? Like, how did you find out you have cancer? Did you just one day just got a routine check, or mm-hmm. something happened that you know, push you to that level. Something happened. Yeah. I was, I wasn't at the age where we get mammograms here. Um, and we don't really do it privately. You wait until you're 50 and you get it. And I was 48 at the time or just before 48 when I found my lump. Um, my daughter had moved into an apartment and we were doing it up ready for her to move in. She'd bought it, not moved in yet. And I got my foot caught in a cord for a blind at the window. Yeah. And I spectacularly flew through the air and landed on my front with no arms. Like I'd got no arms. Oh, my God. Um, And through the tears and the laughter um, and my knees started to swell, I said, I think I've put my boob. 
because I literally landed on my on my boobs. I had quite big boobs, and I landed. Okay. On them. Oh, um, wow. And that I don't know if it was that night or the night after. I was lying in bed, luckily, because I couldn't actually, even though the lump was very large, I couldn't feel it stood up um, because I was qu- quite big, and it was right tucked right up underneath. Um, and I was just feeling to see if I'd got a bruise, and then found the lump. Um, so left oh it for about God. a week or so, thinking that it was probably as a result of the fall. Yeah. Went to the doctors and they said, well, we'll just refer you. It might be the fall. Um, and, of course, it wasn't. It was cancer. So Oh, my God. So that was how. So, luckily, I f- I'm a clumsy person and fell <laughs> because yeah. I'm not sure. I didn't. I was rubbish at checking myself, if I'm very honest. Um, I used to get a text every th- every month from a charity over here to remind me to check, and I never did. Um, once in a blue moon. And so I was very fortunate that I checked when I did and was mm-hmm. lying down at the time as well. Um, so it was, you're, yeah. You're very lucky. That's... One of those fate things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. Oh, my because God. Because it, the strain is quite aggressive. So if I hadn't found it then, then, you know, the story could be very different. But it's not. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we don't really check, you know, we feel like, oh, it's normal. Our life, we, we're never going to get cancer. Like, who would think that cancer would even venture into my body? You know, mm-hmm. most of the times we think that we don't get checked up maybe once a year or once every couple years. Mm-hmm. You know, in my case, um, the reason why I got checked up because I wanted to do IVF. So I wanted to freeze my eggs, you know, right. I wanted to have younger eggs. So I'm going to freeze my eggs. And when I went to get a a mammogram, ultrasound, just to do the normal routine stuff. They like, you know what? We kind of see something. It's that little gray density, but we're not certain what it is. Come back in six months to look at it. And honestly, I don't have cancer in my family. So I didn't even think twice. I was like, okay, whatever. And I went on. I did the IVF, got my eggs, all the good stuff. Almost a year passed. And I was like, you know what? Something happened. Something triggered me. I was just walking around looking at my breasts and I'm like, this breast feel kind of lumpy, but you know what? Maybe cysts, you know, because I have cysts mm. before in my past. And something told me, go and check just to be certain. And I did a routine check. And within two days, I got that call that changed my life forever. I was like, holy crap. Mm. But yeah. And how old are you? What age are you? I was 38 when they first saw something. Okay. And then I okay. came back at 39. Right. So still so I'm 39. Young. Yeah. Yeah. And they said yeah, yeah. that they're like, you know, you're young. So maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just this. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about it. And here I am fighting cancer. Yeah. It's like you say, you don't expect it. I'm like that now, even it, it'll never happen to me. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it has. And there's every chance again, it could again. So, but, but I think that naivety or the head in the sand probably got me through it a bit. And I also went to a psychic once, you know, who reads the cards and, you know, tells mm-hmm. you the future. And they said I'd never get cancer. So, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think I deserve a refund from this woman. But never I mind. know. I was thinking the same thing. Maybe I should now stop listening to the psychics now because. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're so not telling I, the truth. Know, yeah. I had no thought that it could be cancer. Absolutely not. Until obviously I went then to the breast clinic and they did a biopsy and then the reality suddenly hit. Hang on a minute. 
they they don't do that for a bruise. (laughs) That's not what they do. It could have still been not cancer, but I think I think they knew that day that it was cancer. They just didn't know what type of can you know what sort of breast cancer it was. So um, is my feeling anyway. Uh, But yeah, the signs were there again. The the specialist asked me to lift my arms in the air, um, and several times, and I'm thinking, what what's he doing that for? Didn't realise that you know it could indent in your in your breast when where the tumor is and i did it when i got home that night and my breast went right in where the tumor was oh wow um but i'd never seen it because i didn't check myself i never looked in the mirror with my arms in the air um, yeah very very rarely naked to be fair um so yeah i would have missed i I would have missed it even if i did check because i didn't know to do that either we need to be educated a bit more and the thing is we all believe it's not going to happen to us don't we we Mm -hmm. believe everything is going to be rosy and we're going to live to 100 and hopefully we all will um so hopefully i'm I'm aiming for that number yeah (laughs) we don't truly believe it's going to happen to us so why would you bother checking and looking in the mirror and turning from each side and doing it lying down and and even someone who does some breast health stuff that I met recently said you should do it when you're leaning forward as well because again the 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 tissue is in a different place so get to know your breasts standing on your head if necessary but get to know them in lots of different positions um but we don't we don't do it yeah what inspired you to share your diagnosis with cancer well, when I was first diagnosed, well, not not first, it was probably a month or so in, I reckon, I started writing a blog post, blog post about it, and I called the blog, but seriously, who knew? Um, and the, the title came from not knowing anything about cancer. It was that, seriously, who knew? It's like a different language. It's like learning a foreign language, one that you never really wanted to learn. A few, you know, friends and whatever mainly were the people who read it Mm -hmm. and then a few of them said about writing a book lockdown happened uh, you know 2020 um i'd started doing it a bit before but i had to isolate right at the beginning because it hadn't been long since i'd finished certain treatments um and my husband was still working and you know the kids were toing and froing and stuff so we chose that i would we had a um Try to think what you might call it over there, like a mobile home type thing okay. on a mm-hmm. on a cat mm-hmm. on a holiday park. Um, we had one of those at the time, so I moved myself to there, um, and I had ten weeks on my own. Oh wow! Um, with him dropping shopping off, I think we were all very scared, weren't we, at the beginning of COVID? And um, of course, and I, you know, panicked really. Um, and they suggested if you could keep away from things, then you should. So I took myself up there. Um, so it gave me a bit of time. Not that I did that much writing, but it was a, it was a right. Let's let's do this then. If we're going to do it, let's let's give it a go and see if I can make it into a book. Um, so yeah, that's where the book came from. But it was originally blog posts, um, and just I wrote them more for me than anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. It was quite cathartic in as much as which sounds a bit you know poncy, doesn't it? But it it was a way of me talking through all the absolute rubbish that came with cancer all the uh, you know the so i had some weird and wonderful side effects um and it was a way of me talking about it but without boring everybody and boring myself yeah um, no i and, get it and then and then sharing it with others so that others had an idea what was going on and um people learned stuff i mean i even had a a friend of mine who unfortunately her granddaughter's just had lymphoma i had a call yesterday saying she's just had another pet scan and there's no evidence of cancer so, Amen. oh my god it, i mean just mm-hmm. amazing just the best yeah. news 
But she's a nurse. And she said to me that she, once she read the book, I don't think she read the blogs at the time, she read the book um, and she didn't realise that your hair, your head could hurt when your hair falls out. I mean, mine was excruciatingly painful. Oh, really? Um, where all the hair follicles are damaged, aren't they, or whatever they, you know, happens to them. And she hadn't realised. And she said, I've dealt with loads of cancer patients. She's a nurse in the community, so she doesn't specialise. I didn't know that. I said, well, no, nor did I. But, you know, something so simple that, yeah. you know, you don't know unless someone's told you that, obviously, mm-hmm. that your head can really hurt as your hair is falling out. So shave it off at that point is what I did. Um, yeah, that's what I did, too. I took mine yeah. off immediately when it started falling out. I was like, yeah. OK, I'm just going to get rid of the whole thing. I don't want to have yeah, to deal exactly. with that. Yeah, exactly. So so I think it's, you know, it's simple things like that. Just just a bit of education. But it wasn't it wasn't I'm trying to educate people. It was just sharing it, I suppose. And mm-hmm. and people then said they've learned stuff about it. and are, You know, happy that people are open and honest about it, like your, you know, your podcast and and the book and other people who share their stories it's helpful for people yeah because that's what i did i created this podcast a week a month after i was diagnosed wow i started creating probably about the same then yeah yeah (laughs) i was like you know what i gotta share my experience with with Mm. myself of course it was for me the recordings were for me and then yeah one day i was like well, why not? What do I have to lose? I think you forget as well. And actually, when I was obviously going back over the blog post to write the book, I'd forgotten so much. I think you should, your brain has to forget things. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to live with some of the horrors all the time. I mean, you can't keep reliving the experience. But actually, it was it was quite nice. Oh, my God. I did that. Yeah. I got through that. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, you fought I'm that. Yes. You know, I can, yeah. I can do this. Um, and it was quite it was quite good. To remember, in a way, yeah. For me, no, I I get it. No, that's good. I get it. Sometimes you you revisit and you're like, wow, I did yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I look back at pictures of me and I looked. My mum says I look like a monster at one point, <laughs> not in a nasty way. I mean, she didn't tell me at the time, but I have these rosy <laughs> cheeks. I look absolutely awful in one of my photos that I've got. Um, and I was obviously feeling dreadful that day, but I took a photo and yeah. and I do and I, it looks like a completely different person. Hopefully, that's what I do now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even recognize myself half the time, and I am not yeah. going to tell my listeners what my mom says to me all the time when she sees me. <laughs> the natural me, I am not sharing that. It's some horrible <laughs> things, so I'd rather not. But yeah, when Those you look moms back, can be great, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> I love her, but she used some horrible words to tell me how I look, so oh, yeah. I'm not going to share that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, parents tell you yeah yeah um there's no filter no filter at all what was the hardest part about your journey with um breast cancer i know you mentioned that you went through covid and also Mm -hmm. you know recovering from cancer was that the hardest part or was that part of it yeah well i mean i was lucky obviously mine was my actual treatment was pre-covid um, so I, my husband came with me to all of my treatments, um, all of my scans, everything. Um, he managed to only work part time while I was going through my treatment so he could be there for me. Um, so I was very lucky. He unfortunately had cancer in COVID. Um, he had oh, wow. lymphoma, um, diagnosed October 2020. 
So, and I couldn't go to anything with him. And that was really difficult oh, wow. knowing. Yeah. But luckily he's a brave soldier and I wasn't. So <laughs> luckily oh, I had him God. with me. Um, but yes, I think it was, there were some horrible things. You know, I had horrible side effects, but I just dealt with them on a day-to-day basis, I think. I think it is afterwards. It's the the initial, after you finish all your active treatment, I struggled with a bit. I was very positive all the way through. Had my mm-hmm. days where I cried had my days when he'd talk about future holidays we'd go on and I couldn't cope with it because I didn't know I was going to be here next year to go yeah. on a holiday. Um, and most of the time I could look ahead, but there were definitely times when I couldn't see Absolutely, past tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but it was after that, and and a lot of people have said to me, it's afterwards that you'll struggle. And it it was just that release. When when they release you from hospital in that, you know, you've, you've had your last session of radiotherapy. And I, I was quite lucky... I still was going in and having Herceptin injections and Zolidex injections for a, a time after my proper active treatment finished. But it was that, oh, okay, um, what do I do now? I've had the last six months of literally every day being cancer. I, I don't know how to do life not having cancer in a way, yeah. which is crazy, isn't it? Because you do just think you're going to go, right, here we go. What should we do now? Yeah, new norm. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I, and I, and I didn't quite manage to do it. And I also didn't manage to do the right. I'm going to live each day. Like it's my last, I've been given this next opportunity. I've been, you know, given this new lease of life and I should live life like it's my last because who knows when it's going to end. I struggled with that for quite a long time. I'm definitely getting better at it and saying yes to things and not worrying about stuff, but I found it quite hard initially. Um, yeah, to maybe be grateful that I'd gone through it. I don't really know. I don't, yeah, going through it was hard, but I but yeah, I managed. It was yeah. it was probably afterwards once yeah. the once the drama had finished. Really, I no, I completely get it. Like I'm still going through it, and mm. the hard part for me is the is not knowing because mm. I know when I'm done with everything, it's not technically finished. My life is going to be different forever. Mm-hmm. I felt like chemo was the easiest part for me because I dealt with it. Like I prepared myself in advance for everything that could possibly go wrong with right. chemo. Now I'm I'm heading towards my surgery day. Like my surgery mm-hmm. is quickly approaching. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fear is coming now. What if the doctors don't show up the day of the surgery? What if one of the doctors show up and he's not mentally prepared? Yeah. So all this is now messing with my mind. And that's my fear, is the unknown of what's actually going to happen the day of my operation. That's normal in everything, isn't it? I think we, the, our anxieties always come from not knowing what's going to happen and knowing mm-hmm. the outcome and stuff. And it's, and it's again, a, a weird one that just popped in my head when you said the, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. When I start, because I had chemo, surgery, radiotherapy, which is, the, is that how your treatment plan no, is going? I, I, I'm just having the chemo, then the surgery, and then I don't want to say it, some hormonal pills. I don't want to say it into the universe because I'm hoping that I don't have to take them. Okay. Depending on what, what results <laughs> yeah. you get from them after. Yeah. Them, right. So I had mm-hmm. radiotherapy and I thought that's going to be a breeze. And it was compared to chemo. And it was, you know, there was some side effects and, you know, my boob looked like it had gone on holiday without me and things like that because it got so sunburned. <laughs> or, you know. um, but it was the, they'd set me up in the machine and then they left the room and it was only for 
the actual treatment lasts, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. I mean, it's not very long. Oh, but wow. obviously through all of the other stuff, yes, the odd scan, they've gone out of the room. But obviously through chemo, you've got a nurse, certainly for my first four sessions, sat by my knee actually doing the chemo. And yeah. then for the other four sessions, it was done via drip, but they're all around and my husband's there. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's other patients in the same room. And for that second on that first radiotherapy, I can remember just feeling like I was going to have a major panic attack. I didn't. I, you know, breathed through. And then I was fine after that. But it was that, oh, my God, I'm all alone. I'm still doing this and I'm all alone. And it's it's that. I don't know. They, they, you just get shocks every time. When you think you're going to cope with something, then something yeah. comes along and goes, oh, no, 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 no. I had a lumpectomy, so... I didn't have the full mastectomy, but then they also operated on my other bosom as well because I was having quite a, a chunk taken out and it would left me very lopsided. So let me ask you um, a question. Um, how many years cancer-free? Um, four years, I suppose, because wow. I was um, just about two days before Christmas. Wow. And, um, well, Congratulations. It- Oh, thank you. And it's, and it's brilliant. And I'm amazed and I'm, and I'm very grateful and all of that. I spoke to my cancer nurse the other day because I have a yearly checkup. And over here, I don't know, it's obviously very different over there, I'm sure. We have a yearly mammogram for five years after diagnosis. And then we go back to having it every three years, um, which oh, okay. is normal after 50. Um, because it's obviously all done under the NHS. So we have it provided for us. Um, and I said to her, I said, I'm not prepared to, I, I, I'm not, I'm not keen to stop in July. You know, my next one is July and then that will be it. I'll then have three years. And I said, I think I'm going to have to pay private and go and have and one. go at least. Yeah, at least I think you should. Or yearly. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, it's my safety blanket. I'm not great at checking still. I'll, I'll be honest. I should check more than I do, but I'm a bit, I don't know whether it's naivety or head in the sand again. Um or just stupidity. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, it will be. I'll be. I'll be scared. I'm like, okay, what if I don't want to know anymore? Yeah. You know, the fear. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know. Yeah. But I do think the idea of you going privately and getting checkup more yeah. often is a better. Um, I think way I'll to go. definitely do it sort of a year and a half in between. But I think I'll probably just do it yearly. You know, those two yeah. years I don't get it free. I'll go and pay for it. Um, yeah, because it is a bit of a safety blanket, and I and I, it's yeah, it's quite a it's quite a scary thought not having that. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm honest, so yeah, I think that's what I'll do. Okay, yeah. well, Melanie, I do have to now ask the question because four years later, and you're healthy, mm-hmm. you're living yeah. your best life. So, how is your every day to day life now, knowing that you won, you basically won, and you know, you won cancer. Everyday life is good. I'm 52 and I'm retired. Gave up work, mm. sold our house, and wow. we're traveling again. That um, wow. When I, when I said when I said about living life like it's your last, that didn't really happen until after my husband's diagnosis. Mm. Um, and then I think it was a, a bit of a wake up call. And I've got a few other health things going on. Um, when he was being diagnosed, I had a a weird turn and we were a bit concerned it might be a mini stroke um oh, wow. and it wasn't mm-hmm. but the the advantage of having had cancer they never leave things to chance so they sent me for an MRI just in case something had gone you know in case anything had come back in the brain 
and they found a benign brain tumour, luckily benign, um, in my head that's growing um, slowly. They think it's been there since before birth um, and it's now starting to cause me a few problems. So at some point in time, that might need something doing to it. Hopefully not. Hopefully it will grow slowly enough that I don't need anything doing to it. But it's another wake-up call. It's another reminder that at any point life could change again. Um, It doesn't have to be cancer. It can be something else. Um, So we're living, we are trying to live our best lives. Um, We've just bought a camper van and we've, in the summer we drove down to Spain. We've got a cave house in Spain um, that we bought quite a few years ago. So we're just going to make the most of life. Um, And that's what you have to do. Good for you guys. And I'm glad that your husband is doing well as well. He's doing really well. Yeah, he's great. He's, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. So tell us what's next. I would like to write a fiction book now. I've kind of caught the bug with writing, (laughs) but I don't really know where to start because I'm a bit nervous about it. I'm very Mm -hmm. proud of what I've already done, which sounds, um, I don't know, a bit big headed. I'm not very, I'm not. I mean, you should be. You should be I, but I am, you know, people, yeah. I've had some amazing, amazing reviews and people have said some amazing things. So I am very proud. So I don't want to do something that I'm not proud of, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But what I really need to do is just sit down and start. But I'm so nervous about getting it wrong that I'm nervous mm-hmm. to start. Um, I've got lots of ideas, um, but that's what I'd like to do. Yeah, I'm not ready to. We might be retired, but I'm not ready to give up my brain yet, if you know what I mean. I, yeah. need to, I need to have stuff to keep me active. I did a psychology degree in my 40s. So I, that's the next step, hopefully. That's the plan. Oh. There's a couple of reviews on Amazon from people I don't know who yeah. have said how helpful it's been. And, and I'm blown away by that sort of thing. People, I don't, you, you expect it from people you know up to yeah. a point. Um, but how, I mean, one guy said how amazing, you know, he's got somebody going... Um, that he's close to going through it and it's helped him understand and to me that blew my mind I'm like oh my god I did that (laughs) I helped you um and that's yeah that just is worth all the sort of heartache and 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 work putting into it which was you know which I thoroughly enjoyed but sometimes and the wanting to hide under a pillow when it first went out because I was a bit embarrassed you know to say I've written a book I've written a book um (laughs) But I the get fact it. That it's helped definitely, and people I don't know. I mean, how mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah. So well, yeah, you're right. Like you say, it's nice to get that pat on the back, and yeah. So everyone, how can they get a copy of your book? But seriously, who knew? It's so on I think Amazon. you just mentioned. Yeah, I think you just mentioned yeah, Amazon. It, Where else can they Amazon. get a copy of it? It's also online on Barnes and Noble for you guys in the states, mm-hmm. um, and it's on in Waterstones online here. Um, in the UK, but I expect Amazon is the is the main one. Um, MelanieGreenAuthor.co.uk. Um, so it's on there. Obviously, on my Instagram at MelanieGreenAuthor, there's li- there's a link and everything on there to um, to the website as well. Um, and then I think it I think the link on there though takes you to Amazon.co.uk. But obviously, they're available on .com um, over in the states as well. So and the the cancer journals on there as well. So on Amazon. Amazing, you guys. So you heard it. You heard it from Melanie herself. <laughs> you can buy her book, but seriously, who knew? I'm going to buy the book because I am so intrigued and I want to know exactly what oh, I can learn from that book as that's well. so lovely. Thank you, Ebony. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Melanie, it was a pleasure talking to you about your fight with cancer. 
and how you navigated your cancer journey and sharing that with us. We all have different experiences with cancer, but what we all can agree on is that cancer really sucks, but we fight the same battle as one. So with that, thank you for being on my show. Thank you, first of all, for having me, Ebony, and I hope everything goes amazingly with the rest of your treatments. Um, Just if you get, but seriously, who knew? I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you learn something, guys. Yeah, we will. I will, of course, and I'm sure my listeners will, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much, everyone. That was Melanie. Please go out, get her book. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope my story provide you with some important insights. Until next time, goodbye.